Kim liked it so much this morning, she wanted it there again tonight. She stopped me short, maybe. Uh, you know, uh, several people mentioned about the sermon being short. That's why there was no outline, because I didn't know how long I would get. And uh, I came home this afternoon, I heard Kim talking on the phone. She said, what am I bid for five minutes? So I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, it's good that you're here tonight. We appreciate your presence. And uh Hope that uh, we'll have some things to say that will be encouraging to you. Let me, before I get into my lesson, let me just make one more announcement um, on behalf of uh, Wendell Agee. He has several students right now, I think 15 or so Bible correspondence courses that need to be graded, and uh, he needs some help with that. If there's anyone um, that can help him, see him. He, he's in desperate need. He doesn't want to put these people off. He'll be going to Cuba. And uh, he needs some help with that. So see him before church is out um, so that you can grade those. And that it's not a difficult task, um, but uh, it has a lot of uh, reward and potential good that can, be, that can come from it. So uh, see Wendell tonight before you leave here. That would be greatly appreciated. Well, tonight, let's uh, spend a little bit of time going back to the Old Testament and talk about an Old Testament prophet. Most of the time when you think of the prophets, you think of uh, very courageous, bold men who spoke the word of God and uh, they're, they're heroes of the faith. Not all prophets are that way. This is one of those who just didn't get it. And uh, we read of his story and uh, there, there's a very interesting account with reference to, to Balaam and I'd like to share with you just the story and then I want to talk about the title of this lesson, Balaam's Strange Prayer. Uh, it is strange for some reasons. It's a good prayer that he offers, but there's also a side of it that is just, just strange. And we'll talk about why that is the case. If you have your Bible, you might want to open it up to Numbers chapter 22 and at this time, the Israelites were coming into the promised land and taking the land that God had promised Abraham. And um, well, the king of Bala- uh, the king of Moab, Balak, he saw what they were doing among the Ammonites and how they came just in and took and and how they're just running, running right through these Old Testament cities. And he's scared because he sees himself. They've they've camped down next to them. And he knows, oh, we're probably next. And so he calls for his servants to go find the prophet Balaam. And to call Balaam to tell him, come here, we need to talk to him, because we need him to curse Israel. Because Balaam's God was a powerful God. And if he would speak against the children of Israel, then they could be victorious. So these men go out and they find Balaam and they said, we've been sent to you from the king and, and he has asked that um, you come and, and uh, speak against Israel and come back with us. And he said, well, before I do that, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to wait and see what God has to say tonight. I'll let you know in the morning. Well, during that night, God says, do not go with those men and you cannot curse Israel. So in the morning, he gets up and he tells those fellows, I I can't go back with you. God said uh, for me not to. 
And they said, oh, please come back. They, 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 they beg again and they go back and tell the king and the king says, go ask him again. And, and they come and they plead with him. And he says, well, I'll check again, but I'm telling you, I can only do what the Lord says. Well, now, the Lord has already given the answer. He told him to leave it alone. But you see, Balaam is being promised riches. I will make you richer than your wildest dreams. You come and you do this for us and we will pad your pocketbook. We'll make it worth your while. And so instead of just simply telling those guys, no, I already gave you the answer. God said no. He said, well, let's just see if God's maybe changed his mind. So he looked again, consulted again. And this time, the Lord, not because he really wants him to go, it's, it's like a frustration, like you've ignored me and you come back again. Go ahead. Go ahead, do it. You, you can almost hear the sarcasm as God tells him. And so he takes off to go meet King Barak. Um, on the way, he's riding a donkey. You know the story. Uh, there's an angel of the Lord in the road, and he's going to kill Balaam for his disobedience. And the donkey sees the angel of the Lord and leaves the road and just runs off in his field. And Balaam's upset with that and whips the donkey and gets him back on the, the road and then... They go a little further, and the donkey sees the angel of the Lord again, and this time in a narrow place, and the, the donkey moves over against a wall and crushes Balaam's foot against the wall. And that really set Balaam off. And he was mad and so forth. And then they got to another point where that donkey had no place to go. He saw the angel of the Lord with the sword, and that donkey just sat down with Balaam on his back. And Balaam is whipping and beating that donkey. And the Lord empowers this donkey to speak. Can you imagine that donkey turning around looking at him and saying, what are you doing? What, why are you doing this to me? I, I, I've Ever since you have had me, I've served you. I've done what you wanted me to do. And uh, now you do this to me. I'm only saving your life kind of a... and." He correspond, he talks back and forth with his donkey, which that's, a, that's probably the part of it that amazes me more than the donkey talking, is that the donkey talks to him and he talks back, you know, it, and it just seems like a natural conversa- conversation they're having. And so the Lord opens his eyes and he sees the angel of the Lord. He realizes he's done wrong and he goes on in as he's instructed. And again, he meets Balak. And he says, well, let me, let me see what God says. I'm telling you, though, I can only do what he says. And if he blesses, I'm going to bless. And if he curses, well, then I'll curse. But I can only do what he says. Well, the Lord said, bless Israel. And the next day, he gives this blessing on Israel and makes Balak upset. I mean, I, man, I'm paying you to come over here and say bad things about them and, and bring an, a, a curse against them. I don't want to hear this good stuff. What, what are you doing to me here? And he's angry. And, and so Balaam says, well, well, let me try again. And for the fourth time, he makes an appeal. And again, God doesn't let him curse. He asks him to bless. And Balak is just put out. 
But here's, it's in this context in Numbers chapter 23. I want you to see what Balaam says in verse 10. This is one of those statements that, that well, is part of the, the vision that God had revealed. And this is what Balaam says. He says, who, who can count the dust of Jacob or number one-fourth of Israel? Let let me die the death of the righteous and let my end be like his. Well, now I just set off Balak or Barak. Um, he didn't like that at all. He was upset uh, by uh, the state. Did I say Balak or Barak? Barak. I don't even remember. It's Balak. I may have been saying it wrong. Um, but he's upset but i think that prayer that or that wish desire that balaam offers here is significant it's strange let me die the death of the righteous and let my end be like his well let me tell you first of all why that's a good prayer the good part of it is that it was realistic you see balaam recognized that death will come you remember in Ecclesiastes verse, chapter 8, verse 8, it says nobody has power over death. And that you can't stop when death comes, you can't stop it. It's, it's going to get you. And it doesn't matter who you are, what station you are in life, death will overcome you, overtake you. Balaam realized that. It's an informed prayer. He recognizes that he's not going to live forever. Death will come. Let me die the death of the righteous. He understands that there's a day out there that um, he's going to have to face, and he's thinking about it. And, folks, we need to think about it, too. It's just like what we were talking about this morning. There is a day that will be our last day on earth. There will come a time when we're all going to die or the Lord will come back before. And it's not a bad idea to keep our mortality in mind. Do you remember what the psalmist said in Psalm 90? He, he said, Lord, teach me to number my days. Help me to be aware that I am mortal, that I won't be here forever, that I have an end to my time. And so that's what he's praying here. So that's good. It was a realistic prayer. It was an informed prayer. Because you see, he realized that not only would death come, but he understood that there's a difference in the death of the righteous and in the death of the unrighteous. Because he didn't want to die the death of the unrighteous. He wanted to die the death of the righteous. And that shows wisdom. It shows he knows a little bit about what's going to take place. The Hebrew writer says in Hebrews 9 and verse 27 that it is appointed unto a man once to die, and then after that, the judgments. Balaam understood that. In Matthew chapter 25, you have that whole scene of the sheep and the goats, and they're separated, and the sheep enter into life everlasting, and the goats into everlasting destruction. There's a difference in the death of the righteous and the unrighteous. In fact, John 5, verse 28 and 29, he says, when Jesus comes again, the graves will be opened, the dead will rise, and those um, who are righteous will rise to life, and those who are unrighteous will come out of their graves to meet a, a much worse fate. So 
it's an informed prayer. And then third, this prayer expressed the most important desire that a person can have. Let my end be like his. Let me die the death of the righteous. Tell me what's more important than that. Did not Jesus say in Mark chapter 8, verses 36 and 37, what shall it profit a man if, it should, if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? If you lose your soul, you've missed it. It doesn't matter what you've done in life and, and what other people think of you and what you've been able to accomplish or leave behind for other people. If you lose your soul, it's been a waste and probably hurtful to other people. He understands that and has a concern about his end. Jesus said in John 8, verse 21 and 24, that, boy, I tell you, unless you believe that I am he, you'll die in your sins. We have to believe in Jesus. We have to turn from our sins and trust in him. And if we don't, our end is not going to be good. Not everybody goes to heaven in spite of what you might hear at funerals and the way people deal with it. If a guy was just halfway decent and didn't kick his dog, he's going to heaven. That's not the way Jesus pictures it. There has to be faith in Christ. There's no other way to the Father but through Him. Balaam understood. Well, he prayed a very informed, realistic prayer that addressed a very important topic. That part of what he said is good. But let me share with you why it's strange. And to sum it up, the reason it's strange is that he prayed a prayer that he himself wasn't really willing to live. He had a number of things that he said in this prayer, and I think it's interesting that as we look at his life, we'll see the contrast. For instance, he had the wish but not the will. Let me die the death of the righteous. Well, that was his desire. That was his will, his wish. But he didn't have the will to live right. James chapter 2 tells us that we have to have faith. And faith is a faith that is living. It works. We we can't just say, oh, I believe and and have no works. We're we're saved by our works, James 2 says, in conjunction with our faith. But here's a man who said, oh, I want to go to heaven. I want to die the death of the righteous. But uh, I just don't want to live for God right here, right now. That's not going to get you to heaven. Well, it's a noble prayer. But he he doesn't even have the commitment to live what he prayed. That's what makes it strange. He had the desire to go to heaven, but he didn't have the determination. It reminds me of the rich young ruler in Matthew 19. He comes to Jesus and he says... Good master, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said, well, you have to keep the commandments. And he said, well, what commandments? Well, you know, the ones that say, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, and so forth. And he said, oh, I've done those from my youth up. What lack I yet? And Jesus said, well, go sell all that you have and give to the poor. Come follow me. And the Bible says he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. It was just too much to ask for him. He loved his money more than he loved his Lord. He had the desire to go to heaven, have eternal life, but he didn't have the determination to do it. He walked away from God. 
And that's the case with Balaam. Balaam wanted to go to heaven. Boy, when I die, let me die the death of the righteous. Let my end be like theirs. But I'd really like to have a lot of this money right now. I'd really like to do what Balak wants me to do and not what you want me to do. Also, it's strange because he prayed for the reward of the righteous, but he loved the wages of unrighteousness. He wants what comes to those who are faithful. And that's why he prays, let my end be like his. He knew that the end of the righteous results in reward, eternity in heaven with God, uh, blessings. He says, I want all those blessings. Let my end be like his. But according to 2 Peter 2 and verse 15, he loved the wages of unrighteousness more than the wages of righteousness. You know, people can be bought, dangle enough money or dangle the right thing in front of people and they'll sell their soul. And that's what happened to Balaam. The wrong person or the right person or however you want to look at that got to Balaam and offered him what he wanted the most and it tripped him up. A prophet of God who sold out for some money for some gifts that were promised to him. He wanted to go to heaven. He wanted what God had for the righteous. But he really wanted the money more. So that makes the prayer kind of strange. Also, if you look, we find that uh, he prayed for what God could give him, but he wanted what Balak had to offer more. Um, because he had a choice to make, and he, he chose what Balak had to offer he also prayed that he would be numbered with the righteous in death, but he was unwilling to be numbered with the righteous in life. You, you know, turn in your Bible to Numbers chapter 31. And we'll keep our place there, but I, I want you to see something in just a little bit. But in Numbers 31, and well, we'll go ahead and look at it. Numbers 31 and verse 8. We read in this chapter of the death of several people. The Midianites, uh, there was a battle, and, and we see that um, they killed the king of Midian and so forth. And then you get down in the verse, in verse 8, it says, And also Balaam, the son of Beor, they also killed with the sword. What's, what's Balaam doing with the bad guys? Why would he be killed when the bad guys get raided? Folks, he's at the wrong place. It kind of reminds me of Peter when Peter leaves the side of the Lord because of the impending crucifixion and he's just not prepared to deal with that. And he runs and scatters as did all the disciples. And, and then he, he doesn't completely leave. He just separates himself and watches from afar what goes on with Jesus. But in letting that space get between him and Jesus, he found himself in the camp of the enemy. And it's there that he denied Jesus three times. He's in the wrong place. He's with the wrong crowd. He's with people that pulled him in the wrong direction. And Balaam says, oh, let my end be like the death of the righteous. I want to be like a righteous person. He wanted to die and be with righteous people, but while he was alive, he didn't want to live with righteous people. He found himself among the, the, the enemies of God. 
And here's another thing that makes this strange. He prayed for himself to be saved. But he caused other people to be lost. In this prayer, let me die the death of the righteous. Let my end be like his. He's wanting to go to heaven. But you know, because he couldn't curse Israel, you know what happens to Israel? Israel suffers. And we're told how, I mean... They didn't suffer because of some curse that Balaam put on them. He never would do that. Because he said, I've got to do what God says. But listen to what Numbers chapter 31 and verse 16 says. Look, these women caused the children of Israel, listen, through the counsel of Balaam to trespass against the Lord in the incident of Peor. And there was a plague among the congregation of the Lord. If you go back just a few chapters, you read of that incident and that plague where thousands of Israelites died. And here's what happened. The children of Israel, the men, went and married and involved themselves with harlots from Moab, Moab. And they sinned with them. Well, what made them think to do that? It was the counsel of Balaam. Balaam said to the king, I can't curse them, God won't let me, but I'll tell you how you can get in. I I can tell you how you can accomplish the same end. You send your women over there, and you let them entice them, and you involve them in idolatrous practices It'll have the same effect. He wanted that money. He didn't want to let loose. He couldn't curse God or curse the Israelites because God wouldn't let them, but he advised Moab how to destroy them anyway. Here's a man who wants to go to heaven. He could care less about other people. He caused the death of thousands of men and women in this chapter because of his counsel and his advice. So, it's a good prayer, but it was strange because he wasn't willing to live what he prayed. And my question for you tonight, and what I want to leave you with for the rest of the week to just kind of think about and mull over as you have opportunity, is we can't ignore Christ now and find him after death. We can't live with the world now and want to live with Christ later. We can't do what Satan would have us to do and receive the reward of the righteous in the hereafter. If we want to go to heaven, we have to make up our minds to live godly lives. We, we can't have it. We can't have that kind of split loyalty In fact, there's no loyalty to God at all in that. Balaam wanted to straddle the fence. He wanted to live like the world and with the world. And he wanted to die and go to heaven. Doesn't work that way. And I think there may be people who have the same notion in mind. I don't have to worry too much about holiness. After all, God will save me anyway, won't he? 
I don't have to give too much thought about purity and, and the way I talk and the way I conduct myself and my attitudes. Do those things really matter? Of course they do. And Balaam's an example to prove it. He wanted to go to heaven, but he loved the world. Let's be careful that we don't follow in the, foot, follow in the footsteps of Balaam. He was a prophet of God. But he missed out because, and he's used as an illustration in the book of Jude and also in the book of Second Peter, he's used as an illustration of a man that you do not want to follow. He, he blew it. He missed it. Let's not miss it. Let's learn from him, from his strange prayer. And I'll tell you what, if we'll pray that prayer, it'll be a great prayer. But we have to live it. We have to live a consistent life. Could we leave here tonight praying this prayer? Lord, let me die the death of the righteous and let my end be like his. Now, if we'll go out and live that this week, we'll be doing something. If you're here tonight and you're not yet a child of God, if you, have to, if you haven't obeyed the gospel and you need to be baptized into Christ, that's where you start. Listen, if you want to go to heaven someday, you you don't get there just by doing your own thing. You have to submit yourself to the Lordship of Jesus. And he says, this is what I want you to do. These are my terms. If you want pardon, you'll meet him. If you want to go to heaven, if you want your end to be like his, you'll do what he says. If you need to be baptized tonight, we'll assist you in that. If you're a child of God already but unfaithful and you want the prayers of your brethren, you want to start living what your desire is and what your prayer is. We'll pray with you to that end if you'll come as we stand together and sing.